Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our NBA Conference Finals preview. So first, we're going to start with the Eastern Conference Finals matchup between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. The first time that neither a one-seed nor a two seed are featured in the Eastern Conference Finals. Jalen, who do you have winning the series? So, Ryan, I have to maintain pick integrity here. So I said that I feel like the Celtics actually might be the, the team to beat in terms of not only making it to the NBA Finals, but actually winning the whole darn thing. And I genuinely feel as though, although this is going to be a really tough matchup for them, Although the Miami Heat have been chilling out for a little while after catching the entire basketball world by storm, taking out the Milwaukee Bucks in five games, I have to take the Celtics. I think it's going to be in six or seven games genuinely, but I think this is the type of series that the Heat have not necessarily been prepared for. They faced an undermanned uh, Indiana team that didn't really have the best of Victor Oladipo didn't have any Sabonis as a, as a friend of ours on a separate podcast said about a certain James Harden, my friend drill, our friend drill said that James Harden did a magician act and come playoff time. And TJ Warren did a little bit of a similar thing after being deeming the nickname T uh, bubble TJ after a lot of his earlier performances, when the NBA restart first came, came about TJ didn't live up to all the bubble hype. And Malcolm Brogdon was subpar, to say the least. Then you move on to Milwaukee, who was dealing with the situation regarding Jacob Blake and a lot of stuff taking place in terms of social injustice, plaguing the back of their minds, which for good reason, but at the same time could have potentially affected their play on the court. Not to mention that Giannis Antetokounmpo went down with a, with a minor injury and wasn't even able to play in game five. I mean, they played undermanned teams that honestly were not filled out across the roster. It took Chris Middleton playing out of his mind in game four just to avoid the sweep. This Boston team is not Milwaukee. <laughs> this Boston team is for dang sure not Indiana. They have scores all over the place with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown leading the helm. Marcus Smart is showing why he was a first-team defensive, um, first-team all-defense this year. Kimball Walker, first ever, I mean, shoot, first time being in the playoffs, considering he's coming from the Hornets, but now even more so, first time making his Eastern Conference Finals. And this is a team that's on the cusp. This is a team that has been building a lot over the last couple of years and has pretty much made the Eastern Conference Finals, what, three out of the last four years, essentially? This is a team that has been knocking on the door for who knows how long, considering that they've been building since really before the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown era in terms of all those picks they acquired from Brooklyn long, long time ago. And it kind of just seems like this is the year where they kind of reap the fruits of their labor a little bit. 
They just are extremely talented. And although the Heat are overachieving this year and have con- and probably will continue to overachieve by making this game uh this game one in this entire series extremely more competitive than the Celtics may uh, want to look forward to. I think that the Celtics get it done, and I think it's just because they have a lot more firepower despite whatever it is that the Heat trot out between guys like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Buckets, et cetera, et cetera. I have to stick with my take, and I have to say Miami in seven, and they're going to the finals. Um, I will say that this is going to be the toughest series that they've had so far. Obviously, you said underperforming Pacers team, undermanned uh, Bucks team, especially without Giannis, and it took Chris Middleton in game four to step up to keep the series alive. But I think, honestly, Miami's built for this. I think that, you know, this is going to be that type of matchup, like I kind of alerted, like I kind of said uh, 10 years ago, where, you know, this is the LeBron led Miami Heat and the Boston Big Three. This is basically the Jimmy Butler led Heat against another Boston big three in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker. So honestly, I'm excited for this series. The thing that I think is going to be most interesting for Miami is that I think Jimmy Butler has to be consistent. I just think he needs to put up a couple great performances to really keep this team afloat. But I'm also mainly looking at guys like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson to knock down shots. I know they're both young players that don't have playoff experience. But I cannot expect these guys to put up six points a game. I think that's going to be unacceptable considering what they've done during the season. I think if if you look at the flip side, the most important thing for the Celtics is closing out games. They should have ended that Toronto series in four games, but they could not close out game three and they couldn't close out game four. I think Boston is really going to have to step up defensively and not make critical mistakes down the stretch. I think if the Celtics can close out games, I think they really have a great chance to win this series, but I'm sticking with Miami. I mean, I don't really blame you. I mean, Miami, like you, like, like you said beforehand, has overachieved this entire year to the point that um, they've been handling teams like relatively well, if not, you know, better than that. Um, I just think the biggest thing with them is here's my biggest concern really, right? Is that down the stretch of that Milwaukee series, they kind of showed their hand a little bit in a way that I think may be a little bit concerning with the fact that they haven't truly been tested so far this postseason, They've been getting a little lackadaisical despite this being a quote-unquote business trip, as Jimmy Butler said. Games four and five were games that they could have potentially thrown away. And for game four, they definitely did with silly turnovers, wasted possessions, just not not, not entirely taking the game seriously after Giannis went down with that ankle injury in that game. And honestly, I feel as though, you know, in game five, Milwaukee was another pretty, pretty extraordinary Chris Middleton game or a a big game from Eric Bledsoe or a uh, Brooke Lopez away from potentially blowing that game as well. So I think the chink in their armor is that they they play up or down to their competition. And granted, the Celtics are definitely higher up on the pedestal than a Giannis-less Bucks team. 
So that'll be what dictates things. But after coming off of two games that they played relatively sloppily in both games, I would say, how will they approach game one? How how does this team go about trying to set a tone in game one? Because I genuinely believe in a series like this, the team that takes momentum first will be the team that takes the series. Whoever it is that strikes blood first is going to be the team that takes the series. And if the Heat are to do that, they're going to have to wake up from the struggling play that they showed and had an output of in games four and five if they have any chance on beating a Boston Celtics team that's been relatively tested especially facing off against the defending champions in the Toronto Raptors who we thought they were going to take out in four or five games as well and they ended up getting in a dogfight that came down to a game seven where they played huge and a guy in Marcus Smart stepped up huge for them to with two really big defensive plays to help you know win that series so a tale of two different playoff runs, one team in the Heat who had a, a, a very easy, coastable, you know, run to the Eastern Conference Finals versus the Celtics who really had to scratch and claw despite how talented they are. So I think that dynamic is going to have a lot of an effect on this series too. But like I said before, whoever strikes first is going to be the team that I feel like runs away with it. I just feel like Boston's more ready. Shifting to the Western Conference series, of course, with that last spot being determined by Game 7 with the Nuggets and the Clippers, the winner will take on the Los Angeles Lakers. So first, let's talk about this Clippers-Nuggets series. Very similar right now to the Clippers or to the Nuggets-Jazz series in the quarterfinals. And here we are again in the semifinals, Game 7, where the Nuggets have come back all the way down from a three all the way down from three one and now they have a chance to upset the Clippers and go to the East to go to the Western Conference Finals. Jalen, who do you see taking this matchup? So although the Clippers have given us literally nothing to believe in in terms of being able to close out series, I'm gonna go with the Clippers on this one just because they're the more talented team with a guy in Kawhi Leonard who I think would just not let them fall in a game seven he's a guy who came up big last year in a similar scenario with you know the whole you know the whole world was on his back after all of this load management stuff last year and big bounces obviously against the 76ers is what pushed them over to the eastern conference finals and moving forward off of that i mean i think the biggest thing for them is just that they have a more a more complete team, a, a, a better team suited for a big moment like this. Paul George has been playing extremely better um, after a rough round one matchup against the Dallas Mavericks. I think that the biggest thing that we're going to be on the lookout for or should be on the lookout for is Lou Williams. He hasn't really had a big game yet. And Montrezl Harrell is starting to catch his, you know, catch his win. Uh, Ivica Zubac is really playing well in this series as well. You know, they go about eight to nine deep when it comes to their bench with guys like Marcus Morris playing good minutes and give them pretty significant baskets on a night-to-night basis. I think the Clippers are just better strapped for a game seven. But I'll be honest, man, them letting the Mavericks back into the series um, in round one and what I saw from the Nuggets in round one against Utah gives me cause to pause. So I make that pick with the Clippers being my favorite 
simply out of pick integrity that I believe that the Clippers will be representing the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. And they can't do that without taking out the Nuggets. So I think that they have to I think they have to get the uh, get the job done and we got to get this battle of LA thing popping. First of all, the fact that the Clippers essentially are on the brink of blowing a 3-1 series lead to the Denver Nuggets with this team it's it's unacceptable. With that being said, I have to stick with my pick integrity and go with the Clippers. I think that this team top to bottom is the most loaded team in the NBA. I think they have every they basically have two starting fives ready to go. Um, it's it's going to be tough really to see who steps up. You mentioned Lou Williams and I think that he's really the X factor in this game because we haven't seen much out of him. We've seen Kawhi have bad games, but he stepped up. We've seen Paul George have bad games and he stepped up. But the big thing now is Lou Williams coming off the bench and providing that extra boost for the Clippers in order for them to win. I think on the flip side with the Denver Nuggets, they've put out, they've put up a lot of great performances as a team. Jamal Murray is a superstar. He's, he's, pretty close to being a superstar. Um, Nikola Jokic already is a superstar. Together, they form a nice underrated dynamic duo. Having a guy like Michael Porter Jr. closing out a game is a huge help for this team, and he is a great asset to this team as well. Um, the thing that's going to really be the key is that, you know, can the Clippers close out much like the Boston Celtics, can the Clippers close out this game? Can they close out this series? This is going to be a, a this is going to be a game seven tonight. Where if the Nuggets win, there's going to be a lot of criticism coming the Clippers' way because they were not able to take down this team. They blew a three-one series lead. If the Clippers are able to win, then it's almost like you got to brush it off and just say that was close. So you you got to make sure that you're able to you're, you're able to close out this game tonight. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing obviously my biggest uh quote unquote x factor is going to be just whoever the third guy is that puts up the most points for the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I feel like in a game 7 we're well aware that a guy like Nikola Jokic who just dropped 34 and 14 in game 6 is going to come ready to play in game 7. I think a guy in Jamal Murray who has dropped two 50-point games this postseason and just came up for a 21-5-5 a and five night in Game 6 is going to come strapped for a Game 7 to keep their hopes alive. This is a team that's already been battle-tested enough in, in their first series with Utah to know what it's like to battle, da- battle back from 3-1. The biggest question is just whether or not they can really get it done. It's a historical feat by itself because it'll be the first team ever to come back from 3-1 multiple times in the exact same postseason. So they're making they're already history in the making with doing it once. Doing it twice seems extremely improbable, but so is lightning striking twice. And they say that that's an omen. So if it's just the Nuggets year, they could take them out in game seven. But I just don't see it. And I just feel like the Clippers, they've wanted this Lakers matchup all year to the point that I almost think they've been overlooking the teams in front of them because they want to take out the Lakers so bad. And they have to finish the Nuggets to even get a chance at that. 
So I feel like they have to get it done. I mean, I feel like it's I feel like it's a done deal, but you know, it's really up to them. It's really up to them because they have to beat themselves in this game because otherwise they're just too talented of a team not to close things out. Yeah, I believe Clippers win game seven tomorrow night. So with that being said now, the Clippers and the Lakers, the much anticipated matchup that will happen if the Clippers win tomorrow night. So Jalen, I know we've mentioned this before. We've mentioned this series, how highly anticipated this series has has been. Who do you see going to the finals? I think it's the Clippers, and I say that with like a a, a 55-45 split, honestly. Like at this point, it's starting to move the needle back closer to the field in terms of things being more 50-50 between the Lakers and Clippers. I think the biggest thing with the Lakers right now is just the fact that they're playing better basketball. I mean, playing against the Trailblazers that, you know, lost Damian Lillard and honestly played a lot of playoff games just to even make the playoffs, that'll definitely make your your overall, you know, series look really good when you win 4-1. I think they weren't very battle-tested against Houston either, which is kind of sad considering that that was a super a, a superstar duo versus superstar duo that I feel like got taken advantage of by the fact that the Lakers just have better big guys. And when, when your two best big guys are LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you're going to handle a team that decides they want to rely on small ball and the Houston Rockets. But the Clippers match up with everybody extremely well, and there's no true mismatches on the floor the way that they could take advantage of the Trailblazers or Houston. And I think that's what's going to disrupt things for the Lakers going into this series. Playoff Rondo is in full effect, and I do think that that's going to have an impact on how far along this series goes. But I feel like the Clippers, they they get up for these games. I feel like for whatever reason, the Clippers just kind of wake up and get their heads out of their own butts when it comes to playing against the Lakers because it's something about that in that in-state rivalry between those two with the with the superstar acquisitions that they've made in this past offseason for both teams that makes it you know, just a little bit more personal on both ends, but it seems like the Clippers tend to always rise up to the occasion in a way that if the Clippers make it, if the Clippers make it to the Western Conference Finals, this is what they've been waiting for practically all year is to put foots on the Los Angeles Lakers, send them out of the playoffs and move on to the NBA Finals for another LeBron-less NBA Finals matchup. So I genuinely think that the Clippers get it done if this series doesn't go seven, something went wrong. Whether it's whether it's in the Clippers' favor or in the Lakers' favor, if this battle of a LA series doesn't go doesn't go minimum seven games, <laughs> then something is wrong. Like it pretty much needs to reach a seven game series. Otherwise, somebody's just clearly outmatched. But I think the Clippers take it. It's going to be a really tough series. I agree that the Clippers take it, but my biggest worry is that much like the first round matchup with the Blazers and the Lakers and the second round matchup with the Rockets and the Lakers, both teams will start out or the, the Clippers are going to have a great game one. And then they're going to just, they're just not going to play well for the next four games. That's my biggest concern right now with this team. Um, I believe that this is anticipated to be maybe the biggest matchup in NBA playoff history, considering it's two LA teams and that's a first and that's a first for the NBA conference finals and the big thing though for the clippers is just depth both teams have loaded rosters 
but I think the Clippers, like I said, they, they basically fill out two starting fives. And honestly, if you get the contribution needed from your starters, like Kawhi, Paul George, um, and then you get the contribution from your guys on the bench, like Lou Williams and Montrose Harrell, I think this can be a great series for uh, swinging in the way of the Clippers. My, like I said, my biggest concern for them is being really being a star. I think my biggest concern really is them coming out game one strong, them coming out and starting game one, getting off to a great start, and then they don't have they don't they don't make it through four straight games. The Lakers they take their they take the gas pedal off for four straight games, and that's my biggest concern for them. The Lakers need a lot of contribution, and I think they need everyone to step up. And I'm talking about Caruso, Kuzma, Dwight Howard, Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I'm talking about those guys. Um, that's going to be the biggest thing for me, and I hope that the Clippers win just because it would be great to see the Clippers go to the finals instead of the Lakers for the past 20 years. They've been like the face of the league. Um but it's going to be interesting to see who really steps up in this series, whether it's Kawhi and Paul George or LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, Ryan, I think my biggest takeaway from a series like this between the Clippers and the Lakers is just whose third option performs the best. Because I feel like we know, I feel like we know that Kawhi is going to do what he needs to do to put this team over the top. I believe that Paul George is picking up where he left off from last year being third in the MVP race and is really starting to catch fire after having a tough series in round one. And I think that he's going to play up to the potential necessary to be able to close out this series. I also feel the same way about LeBron James and AD on the opposite side. The question is, who is the Lakers' third option? Is it Rondo? Is it Caruso? Is it Kyle Kuzma? Is it Markeith Morris? Who is it? And can they outplay Montrez Harrell or Lou Williams? Because either one of those guys can be the Clippers' third option. And if both of them outplay your, your third and fourth best players on the team, oh, this is, this is, this is Clippers all day. But if, if the Lakers' third option at bare minimum can hang with the Clippers' third option, whether that be Lou, Lou Williams or Montrezl Harrell, that'll be what makes, these, makes this series as close as we expect it to be, and that'll, that'll be what makes the games even closer. If the third option for the Lakers can match the energy of the guys coming off the bench for the Clippers, this series will be extremely competitive the way we anticipate it, and that's why I kind of figure that one of those guys for the Lakers is going to step up. It's just a question of who. That's a good transition to our question of the day for our fans. What series do you see as the most interesting matchup? Is it the Heat Celtics series or the Lakers or the Lakers Clippers series or the Lake or the Lakers Nuggets series? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure you rate us on Apple, or when you rate us on Apple, you give us five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.